0: John over some coffee and, and have uh, some time together just sharing stuff. And I love John's heart. I love John's heart. Listen, so do I. I love John and, it, and, the, and the heart that he has, the heart for the community, the heart for the Bible League that he, he represents here this morning. But I know that God is going to speak to every single one of us today. So here's the deal, Okay. I want us as a church to lean in, lean into what the Spirit of God says to us through John this morning. You might be hearing the words of a man, but it's the Spirit of God that's going to take that and transform our worlds. It's the Spirit of God that's going to speak into our spirits. It's the Spirit of God that's going to speak into our heart. It's the Spirit of God that's going to bring transformation to our mindsets and our thought patterns as John speaks this morning. So I want us, Infuse Church, to stand to our feet and welcome John as he comes to preach the Word of God this morning. Let's welcome John.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. That's enough. (laughs) Oh, I am overwhelmed. That's uh, the honest truth. I am overwhelmed. Uh, None of you could have (laughs) known... Come on. (laughs) None of you could have known what was needed this morning for me. (laughs) And um, I had an amazing day yesterday. Uh, I was prophesied over. It was quite an intense prophecy. I didn't go looking for it. It came to me. But one of my uh, concerns, I guess, was that Liz, my beautiful wife, uh, wasn't with me. And um, it's hard to be a couple and sort of have only one half of that couple receive something and then you're trying to relate that to complete the, uh, the circuit, if you like. I felt a little bit unplugged. And what you have brought to us in uh, the way of scripture and uh, the words that you brought uh, this morning in just... An incredible legacy that you have built in this church in the way that you honour people included Liz into our future. And that's very powerful and I'm overwhelmed and I'm so grateful that you are people who have a heart to flow in whatever the Spirit is telling you to do. Very, very important. I just uh, am just so grateful for that. Um, (laughs) And... um, Gary and Jane, look, um, you are in a good church, guys, really. Um, This is a real time of refreshing uh, for me. Uh, Some of the churches that I go to, they they love Jesus, but they're not too sure how to flow with Jesus and and the Spirit, and it gets a bit dry. (laughs) And uh, Gary came across my path, and um, he's just been a real spiritual dad to me. Um, not out of anything that we uh, drove or uh, had an agenda to do, we've just connected. We we resonate and and that's a fantastic thing and I thank you both for the invitation to come and share. Uh, I'm really excited about uh, our relationship and what the future will hold with that. So um, for those of you who've received uh, out the front here this morning, I just feel to say this. Uh, Just keep receiving. Let the Holy Spirit just keep working uh, whatever he's given to you. Um, You have my permission to just tune out and just focus on what he's talking to you about right now. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I have prepared a word. I believe it's right. Uh, But I just, you know, we've had an incredible morning. The Holy Spirit has come. He has blown and uh, he's not left yet. And there's still things that we can receive from our wonderful, loving, heavenly Father. And um, so I'll just go through with what I've prepared. Uh, We might run a little bit over time. I don't know. If we get to Bible League, well, we might or we might not. It's not the important thing. (laughs) Um, My boss would probably not want to hear me say that, but today it's the Lord's day and he's having his way. (laughs) Um, Can I just say, I just feel to... uh, say this, so so I'm going to, I believe that there are some here who are singing the words but they're not quite resonating with you. Uh, Words that we sing about coming into the presence of God uh, to uh, somehow step into something that's uh, extraordinary, supernatural and I just felt to say this, experience has shallow Roots. So when we're singing about going into the presence of God, we don't want to go there and have an experience. What I felt God saying was when we sing those songs and when we're wanting to step forward and maybe jump around and do some things, what we want to do is focus on the relationship that's being built. What we want to do is get into the presence of God and into His arms because of the relationship, not the experience. Because when we have a strong relationship, when we have a growing relationship with our heavenly father, that's where the roots get down and we have deep roots. So experience, you'll only have shallow roots. Don't chase the experience because you'll just go from one to the next to the next. You never get planted. Seek the presence of God because of the relationship that's going to be built because that's what he is all about, relationship. He wants us to relate. So Uh, encourage you with that the other thing was I was just feeling that some people were feeling uh, somehow disconnected from God so you're singing the words but somehow you're not quite connecting and this is what I wanted to encourage you with let me tell you a story very quickly my being here today started some 20 years ago that's how interested God is in us. He orchestrates and he creates people to come across your path, jobs, places, all those things. He is intensely and intimately interested in us. His thoughts are toward us every single day. Um, around 90, 98, uh, make it 97, make it the easy math, 20 years, Liz and I were in New Zealand, and we had met some good people there, but it came time to come home, and so we asked those people, you know, is there a good church in Melbourne that we could go to when we get to Melbourne? And uh, so they introduced us to some people, we we connected with those people, we were with them for a period of time, uh, and that church was in the city, and that was okay until we decided to build a long, long way out, because that's all we could afford. And that just became a bit too difficult. So we we moved from that church and uh, that was God's timing because we came to a church where there was this crazy worship leader. (laughs) He was uh, out there, passionate, loved God, great worship leader. His name was Steve McCracken. (laughs) We know him. (laughs) Good old Steve. And so way back then... uh, God connected me with uh, this young man, fiery, passionate and um, we were on the worship team together for a while and it was fantastic. But then we decided to move to Adelaide and we went through some good times, some winters, springs, all those seasons that we go through and I never had any idea of what that connection with Steve McCracken would look like. We stayed connected I think sometime in the 2000s he created a, a blog uh, that he does and um, I sort of reconnected with him but never understood any of this I, I wasn't working with Bible League I just had different jobs and um, wasn't really focusing on future anything like that anyway uh, long story short I saw on Steve's diary that he was going to be speaking at this church in Mount Barker called Infuse never heard of it and I thought I like Steve, uh, let's go and hear what he's got to say. On that day, we met Gary and Jane and there was nothing about any of this. This, this is the point I'm making, probably very poorly, but um, met Gary and then uh, we really hit hard times, i got to say, and, and God led me through a, a journey and Bible League came about and they had never had anyone in Adelaide to... Uh, represent them and it was a bit of a blank slate and I had no idea where to start we had a bit of a list of different churches I had no idea where to start and coincidentally God just said start in Mount Barker I I wasn't thinking of Gary or Infuse at the time anyway um, God brought me and Gary together over a period of 20 years and here I am so the point is The point is this, don't believe the lie that God is not interested in you. I just want to catch that because he is deeply interested. You are the apple of his eye. He is orchestrating and creating things in your future you can't imagine. People, places, jobs, all of it. You are his handiwork. He knew you before he knitted you together He has already placed inside of you all the potential you need to fulfill His plan and purpose for you. Praise God. God's omnipotence is sometimes misunderstood. We seem to connect it to His power. That's right, but it's a slightly wrong interpretation. What Omnipotent means or omnipotent means that you have the potential to do anything, and that's our God. He is the God of the impossible, He is the omnipotent one, omnipotent. But when He made us, because we are made in His image, He took out of Himself that potential and placed it in you, not all of it, of course but he gave us what we need to fulfill the purpose and plan for our lives. And I just want you to grab a hold of that. Don't rush God. 20 years from Melbourne to here, don't rush God, but stay connected to God and come from being a child of God into a maturity as a son and daughter. Because sometimes that is the other thing that holds us back, is we're not quite prepared to move into maturity. And that's what the trials and testings are all about. It's just to bring us into a place of greater relationship, but that requires greater maturity, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I pray that someone's able to receive that. If you've been waiting for something to happen, look, don't rush God, just stay connected to him. All right, so uh, that was a word I had for you before uh, we got here, and um, God is amazing. So this morning, when I first prepared this message, I just uh, looked at the verses and, and, and gleaned, I guess, what the Holy Spirit wanted to show me. Um, but since then, I've overlaid um, a couple of more things. One is uh, being salt and light, which comes out of Matthew 5, chapter 13. And the other is the Lord's Prayer, which we find in Matthew 6, verse 9. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And just hold that on the back burner. If we are to be salt and light to the world and work in unity with what Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, then we need to be able to invade darkness and establish God's kingdom. And Right now, I believe that we're in a time where the soldiers of God are rising up. We can't just be saints. We've got to be soldiers as well, and that's part of that maturity journey. Uh, The Roman Empire was very successful in its expansion uh, because what they did is not only did they invade uh, and take ground... But then they established the Roman culture in wherever they had invaded. So each of those areas that they took over became a small Rome. And that's what we need to do as believers who are active in making disciples. We need to be able to bring the culture of heaven, the culture of God's kingdom, into our families and our workplaces. Because that is being light. We need to sort of see ourselves a bit more capable of invading, uh, not complaining. I've done it myself. You know, you've got a job and these people around you, they're always whinging and whining. Oh, Lord, get me out of here. These people. No. Change the culture. That's why you're there. Be the light. It may be one person at a time or you may have a staff meeting that just erupts and they all give their hearts to the Lord. Who knows? But I'm just... I'm just encouraging you that that there is a requirement for us to be active, and that uh, brings me to my message this morning. I I really don't know where I am with time, but anyway, we'll keep going. Um, When we do that, though, this is important. What we need to do is speak the language of love. It's got to be done in love, and... um, Let's just turn to the Word, because that's a really good thing to do. Uh, Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. And I'm going to read from verses uh, 11 through to 17. Uh, Luke seven eleven to 17. Soon afterward... Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain with a great crowd following him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The boy who had died was the only son of a widow and many mourners from the village were with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart "'overflowed with compassion. "'Don't cry,' he said. "'Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, "'and the bearers stopped. "'Young man,' he said, "'get up.' "'Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk to those around him, "'and Jesus gave him back to his mother. "'Great fear swept the crowd,' And they praised God. Important there that we get the right fear. They weren't, if you were afraid in the sense of scared, you wouldn't praise God. They wanted to glorify God. They praised God saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us and we have seen the hand of God at work today. The report of what Jesus had done that day spread all over Judea and even out across his borders. Wonderful, wonderful story that expresses so much. And this morning, I believe that there are people who may not have even decided that Jesus is for you. And I just pray that this message for you will help you connect with the love of Jesus. His compassion for you runs deep. And I hope that you're encouraged to make that decision if you haven't. Others of us, as I said, might be in a winter season and not quite connecting with things. I want you to see how interested God is in you, the one. And then, of course, others of us are in a place where we're being prepared and we're ready for our next challenge. And I pray this message this morning will bring uh, that challenge to you to step out and be confident. The first thing I want to do is just quickly look at that word compassion, though. Because what it actually means in the original text is a gut-wrenching. It actually talks about the bowel because that's where they thought the emotions used to reside in back then. But it's a gut-wrenching. I guess uh, it's a bit like if you're on a roller coaster, who's been to movie world or taking the kids on the teenage pilgrimage that you have to do. And, um, you know, you're up here and then the thing drops and, you know, you go down but your stomach's left up here. You, you know, you have that moment uh, or... Aeroplane turbulence perhaps, you know, it drops a thousand feet and you think, my goodness me, my my tray's up there and I'm down here, it's all over the place. But that's what it is, an actual uh, physical reaction to the situation in front of you. Um, And when that word's mentioned uh, in the Bible, uh, Jesus is a uh, shepherd, he's a healer, a restorer, a miracle worker, a comforter and a father. There's lots of occasions where he is moved with compassion. And it's that language of love, that, that compassion that I'm just praying develops in me so that I can see the one. Moving on through uh, this story, the, the, the amount of detail is incredible, which you can understand from Luke. He was a, a doctor, I believe, and so he was quite interested in the detail of things. Firstly, Jesus had just moved previously from healing someone remotely. In other words, he hadn't touched them. So let's make that point. The other thing is that there were a lot of people around. There was a large crowd with Jesus and there was a large crowd with the funeral procession. The other is that she's a widow and it's her boy, her only boy, who is the deceased. We have... A desperate situation here. One of the worst, darkest moments for this woman, you can imagine. She's already lost her husband, she's a widow, and now she's lost her only son. So her cooking wasn't too good. (laughs) Moving on. In reality, in those times, what she had really lost was income, hopes and dreams for her husband and her boy. All mums have hopes and dreams for their boys. Dreams for herself, what the future was going to look like. But what we have is a moment Enter Jesus. He's on the scene. Praise God. He wants to come in. He didn't just observe and offer sympathy or a prayer. They're okay. They actually have their place. There's absolutely no problem with that. But somewhere, we need to be able to be moved by compassion to do more. And I believe that's the season that we're in. For those who have stepped into a maturity, that's the call on your life, to do more, to see people differently, to love people with a compassion You've got to do something. The first thing that we see is that Jesus spoke with compassion. The first thing he says is, don't cry. Now, given the circumstances, you might think that that's a strange thing to say. But I believe that this is what he was communicating, saying as a a father, as our father would say to us, don't cry, I'm here, I'm here. We can't do life. Without Jesus, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he wants to be involved in our lives in a relationship that is just beyond our imagination. There is definitely a time to cry. It wasn't a rebuke. Even Jesus wept. And um, crying is good. I I had a cry session, um, and Jesus came. I was a cleaner at a school, which is probably one of the most horrific things you could ever do. Uh, cleaning is a noble job. It's, you know, If you're a cleaner or you're cleaning the house or whatever, that's a great thing to do. But students are relentless in undoing what you've just done. <laughs> and I was at the end of myself. I said, Lord, this is just crazy. You know, I, I really believe that there's more for me that you want me to do. But Okay, I'm here, I'll do it. But I I turned a bucket upside down, I sat on it, stinky mops, and just cried. But it was a good cry, because at the end of it, I felt Jesus come and say, don't cry, I'm here. What we need to hear is, I am here, and the situation is about to change. Jesus stepped in, and that's the challenge. Jesus is no longer on earth as a man. It's up to us. He's called us, all of us, to step into the world of the hurting and the lost. The lost exist in church too, by the way. Lost hopes, dreams, purpose. These were some of the people that I was speaking to this morning. Minister to one another. Lift up each other. Encourage one another. It's very important to keep building up the people around you. We all go through stuff. The next thing we see is that Jesus touched the coffin. I find this very interesting. Why are we told that Jesus touched the coffin? Why did we need that much detail given to us in this story by God? Let's not forget that the Bible, one author, one revelation. Jesus touched the coffin. I would imagine it was culturally challenging to the status quo. It's still today somewhat unacceptable to touch coffins and graves and things. We just don't do that. And I believe that what he wanted to do was say, this is different. I'm different. I have a different authority. Culture doesn't bind me. The other thing I believe is that he wanted to communicate something to the, to the enemy. The very thing, the very symbol that you use to signify to people that things have finished, I'm touching. Because you don't have that power to say when things end. I say when things start and finish. He wants to touch and address the things that contain us. Some coffins are built around us, absolutely. Words are powerful. Be very careful what you receive. Others, to be honest, we sometimes climb into. I'm sorry, but I've got to be fair. Fear is a coffin. Disappointment is a coffin. You know, disappointment, you're the only person that can disappoint yourself. Reappoint yourself. Hopelessness and unforgiveness, all those things can be coffins, but let Jesus touch the coffin. Apply his word. Speak the name of Jesus over your life and over those around you. The next thing we see is that Jesus stopped the momentum. It says that when he touched the coffin, the funeral procession stopped. When Jesus wants to minister... We have to stop. It's no good being busy. I mean, can you imagine the scene? If they just kept on walking and Jesus is trying to get in there. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. When you're in a winter season, don't be busy. Stop. Stop. Get into that quiet place. Seek the relationship, not the experience. Connect back in with God. Be still and know that I am God. There's a shift that happens next. Jesus speaks with authority. First of all, he spoke with compassion. Then he speaks with authority. And I think the message to us is that we can't always remain in sympathy mode or compassion mode. You may deliver compassion to someone and then the next person comes with the authority. But somewhere, again, as we begin to understand what it is to invade and establish, we come to the point where we take the authority that God's given us and we apply it. There is no other name above the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus identifies himself. Young man, I tell you to get up. There's an authority in that name. Jesus' authority releases him from death. The coffin situation is over. This is the power of God's word. This is the power of Jesus' name. The shift is important for us to recognize for two reasons. One, we're not meant to always stay in compassion mode. The second is that we have been given authority to speak his name over the life within the coffin. Remember what I'm talking about here. The coffin represents the things that contain you. And all morning we've been talking about breaking chains and being set free. God wants to set free. Every single day he wants to set free. That's what the cross was all about, to set us free so that we can move in relationship with him, whether that's your life or someone else's, Jesus qualifies us. We have to use wisdom, I understand that, but John 14 verse 12 says this, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater things will you do. Why? To glorify the Father and his Son. That's what it's all about. I love that thing that we started the service with this morning. What a great challenge. We have got the best news. We have got the answer. Who are we going to share it with? Who are we going to share it with? The next thing we see is that the boy speaks. Why is that significant? Can you imagine what he might have said? Hi, Mum. I'm back. (laughs) It was good it's good to see you again (laughs) mum i don't know i think the point of being told this is that it confirmed the victory to those around don't forget that there's a lot of people seeing this big crowd came with jesus as he came into town big crowd coming out in the funeral procession a lot of people around When the boy speaks, it confirmed the victory. It's all about testifying. Don't be silent when you get breakthrough in your life. Testify about God's goodness. Confirm the victory. When victory comes, you will know about it. So testify. This is what I love that happens right at the very end. This is the Jesus, I guess I want to be. (laughs) And I'm sure you do too. This is absolutely beautiful because restoration needs to be complete. Our involvement doesn't just end with being compassionate or saying the prayer or seeing the miracle. The restoration is complete when Jesus hands the boy back to his mum. Beautiful. He could have just kept on going. The miracle was done. Things would have just gone on, I'm sure. But there was a reason that he's, he's taken the boy which to me probably signifies that he was quite young, and gives it back to mum. In, in that moment, what, what he's doing, he's saying that everything that you thought you had lost has been restored. Satan is the one who is looking to steal things and kill things and destroy things. God will never do that. He wants to restore to you what has been lost. Let me close with these thoughts. God is a father who is love. You can't get a better combination than that. (laughs) He is a compassionate God. His kingdom culture is love. His language is love. Even when that language is a bit tough, that's tough love, you know. Stay connected and use the same language. The other point is that it's not over. Let Jesus touch that coffin. Those hopes and dreams, the plans and purposes, God never set you up to fail. Never set you up to fail. His plan for you is for good. And um, Jeremiah 29 verse 11, we all know it, but sometimes those promises and plans that Jesus has get get, tied up in a coffin and we need to get them out. Speak the word of God and the name of Jesus into the lives of those around you over your own family and over yourself. Don't let the enemy lie to you that God is not interested in you. Accept the challenge. Jesus was entering the town. He was going all about his business. Divine appointments will come. Divine appointments will come. Who knew? 20 years ago, I met Steve McCracken. And that journey brought me here. 20 years of transition and movement. Divine appointments will come. Remember that Jesus has qualified you to invade and establish, but use the language of love. That's, that's going to be the difference, you know, because there are others who are trying to evade and establish. And I'm not just talking about terror. But that is what they're, they're doing. The difference will be that we use a language of love. That'll be the difference. Jesus said, when you have love to one another, then they will know you are my disciples. Uh, use the language of love for his glory, for his glory. Keep humble. Lord bless you. <laughs> That's it. That's all I have. I'm empty. <laughs> Um, Well, I'll just move straight into the things of Bible League, but uh, let's, where are we going for time, Gary? What do we need to do here? Ten minutes? Um, Yeah, just just keep absorbing that. God's God's been moving this morning, particularly about breaking things off and touching things that aren't right and uh, encouraging people into the presence. Um, And uh, yeah, we don't want to lose that, so I'm a little bit cautious of just moving into a presentation but uh, I did come to do that and I thank you for the invitation to do that. So, uh, oh, I've got the jigger here. Right, here we go. Turn it on, he said. Green light comes on. Okay. Uh, Where will I stand? Somewhere over here. No feedback? Good. So, uh, Bible League International, um, I guess what we're trying to address is this. We have in the world a God who is building his church rapidly. Let me encourage you in that. In nations that are under the harshest conditions in terms of being a Christian and expressing your faith are the ones where God is doing some amazing things. And uh, there's enormous numbers of Uh, Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus and lost people who are finding Jesus Christ. But what we find, of course, and you will have all experienced this, is that we get to this point. I want to know you more. Talk to me. What's going on? Well, this was his answer. There is so much behind that picture. I could stay up here for another half hour, but I won't. The Bible was purposed by God. It was authored by God, and we need to, I guess, perhaps reconsider that because there are a lot of very, very good authors who give us a lot of very, very good books, but it's the Bible, it's the Word of God that's living, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and it's what will bring change in your heart that the Holy Spirit can move and bring you into a greater relationship with God. That, that's the power of his Word. And so the Bible is our principal thing. In fact, it's really all we do. So our purpose statement is to serve the under-resourced church globally through the provision of Bibles, biblical resources and training to transform lives worldwide and help people meet Jesus. In that sense, we are not a uh, mission group, we resource the churches that have been established in nations around the world and where you can't get Bibles, like prisons, etc. Um, so that's our purpose. So we, we are a resource ministry. So we provide the Word of God and, and other materials as we go through. So I hope that that uh, is understood. I'll go through that pretty quickly because of the sake of time. But the reason I like to show this is that Who knows what God will do if you're obedient to what he's called you to do? These two started going around just giving people Bibles to their homes. It started as the Home Bible League. They would never have known that it would grow by God's favour into something that's an international uh, representation of his word. And that's just in their one man's obedience to, to God's call, really. Let me just say, you know, the word uh, I mentioned before is what God's given us. He confirms that very well in Second Timothy. All Scripture, how much? All Scripture is given by God and all Scripture is useful for teaching and showing people what is wrong in their lives. It is useful for correcting and teaching the right way to live. Using the Scriptures, those who serve God will be prepared and will have everything they need. We spoke about that this morning, didn't we? God will give you what you need, not necessarily what you ask for, to do every good work. So he's talking about the whole Bible there. And it's not just a training tool. What it is, the Word became flesh. Became Jesus, the man. The Word needs to become flesh again. That's the work that's going on. That's the process. One word, of course, but many languages. So we partner with Bible translators around the world. And um, it's not always the printed word either, by the way. That little MP3 thing that the lady in the leopard skins uh, got there, we call that the treasure. So that's an audio Bible. Um. We follow a scriptural method. I'll just get through these because I only had 10 minutes. Project Philip is really our thing, but we also have uh, Bible, Bible-based literacy uh, and church planter training. Very, very important. Um, let me establish this. In Acts chapter 8, the evangelist Philip goes to the Ethiopian eunuch and he's struggling a bit with the book of Isaiah. And Philip asks, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I lest someone teach me? So there does need to be a level of training, particularly as people are moving into maturity, uh, that needs to accompany the word. And we recognise this as, a, um, as an organisation, and so we've established uh, training, Bible study materials, um, but in particular, church planter training, because um, I don't know why, but evangelism is easy for um, uh, village-type communities. And uh, once they get a hold of this, they want to share. And, of course, um, you, you know, 30 people is a church in these places because the next village of 30 people is, you know, 20, 25 kilometres away. And so church planting becomes very, very critical. Um, and it, it really is quite remarkable how quickly it goes. So what we're doing is uh, Philip was an evangelist, so we're training evangelists under Project Philip. As I said, we've got the Bible-based literacy. uh, Very, very important in terms of job opportunity and um, those sorts of things, addressing poverty. Uh, That's a class there. Church planter training. I mean, have a look at that picture. This just gets me. These pictures are from the field. There's a group of five young adults there sitting on the red dirt with their straw mat, with their Bibles, going, how are we going to go and plant a church? Amazing stuff. Areas of ministry, of course, Bibles for the Persecuted. Some of you may have seen this before. Um, The Persecuted Nations um, are really the the focus for many, many uh, Christian organisations, of course. Um, That headline now is uh, even back in 2014, so it's probably even more than that now, but six million Muslims each year leave Islam to follow Jesus. He is building his church, praise God. This is Isulu, Uh, Just a face, I guess, to the persecuted church. Handsome young man. I don't know how old he is now, but um, young fella. Beaten for his faith in Jesus. And, you know, this is very real. And I'm sure that you all appreciate that it's very real. Um, When my brother found out about my new faith, he beat me. I'm pretty sure that wasn't a pillow fight, you know. Um, But a beating doesn't change the truth. I love that. He's got it into his heart, you know. It doesn't matter what happens to me. If I die, my next breath, I'm going to be in heaven with my, with my father. Awesome stuff. Uh, we do have prison, um, prison Bibles. Uh, bringing Hope Behind Bars is our campaign. Uh, also, we work closely with um, Aboriginal reaching missions. Um, very, very difficult area to work in. There's 210 different Aboriginal languages. Some numbers there, we'll just race through those. But, you know, God's good. God's glory there, it's nothing that we're doing. Prayer support, uh, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Uh, if you want to get involved in that, we can uh, email those to you will post them. Uh, prayer calendars. So, what's coffee got to do with it? Well, coffee is the new economy. We judge everything by how much a cup of coffee costs, and uh, that's the thing, it's about $4.50. If we were to give up one coffee per week, now I know this is blasphemy, Gary, to you, but uh, we'll move on quickly give up one coffee a week a week that's not much one coffee a week will be roughly about twenty dollars a month then this is what happens this is the flow a little goes a long way we can get two bibles into a uh, into two families for twenty dollars and then as i said that flows very quickly into the community because more often than not those two families will be living with some other families in the same house So when the word of God comes, it brings change. And when that change happens, people inquire as to how come you're different. And uh, evangelism becomes very easy and it reaches a community very, very quickly. And then, of course, we can bring in more Bibles and training and on it goes. Uh, A very good pattern. We now have the ability, if you want to get involved financially, um, we can nominate a nation if you have a particular nation on your heart. Uh, or prison ministries, or Aboriginal, uh, we can direct your money. That's easy. Never used to be, but is now. And so I thank you, obviously, for being able to bring that to you and to encourage you to keep praying for the persecuted church. But don't pray that persecution ends, because that's not a right prayer. It's not scriptural. What we need to pray for is that they will have the strength to stand that the Lord will embrace them and carry them through. Um, But this is a typical church that's in Mozambique. That's the church behind there. And um, they say thank you. Thank you for whatever you can contribute in prayer or finance, all of that sort of thing. So thank you very much from them. Um, So that's about it. Look, I've got some other materials. Have a chat to Liz and myself after the meeting at the table there. We've got an annual dinner coming up if you'd like to be involved in that. It's a great event. It's free. We don't ticket uh, that. And uh, just come and learn some more. Guys, we've had a great day. Praise God. I'm going to hand back to uh, Gary. And um, thank you so much for your attention and your time and your love and your expression of honour. Amazing. I'm full again. Praise God. Thank you, Gary.